0: coming up he quickly kind of uh learned first the path of survival in what's known as you know one of the toughest state penitentiaries anywhere in the country but he also was there knowing he was an innocent man for vault
1: studios i'm reed redmond you're listening to the daily crime Seven years ago this week, then-37-year-old Jerome Morgan was released from prison. After spending almost 20 years behind bars in Angola, the teen who grew up in Ponch Park, now a man, was released from prison last night. Falsely convicted of murder in 1994, Morgan had been behind bars since he was 17 years old. He'd spent more of his life in prison than out of it. Now his focus is a future.
0: I try to keep positive thoughts. That's the only way to... Uh to survive, I guess, the the torment and torture and the suffering.
1: But this wasn't the end of the road. Jerome Morgan was about to be reindicted for the same crime.
0: It's his life at stake, and it's very scary, and it's a shame, because we believe in his innocence,
1: and, um, you know, we're not talking about someone that's not getting up every day going to work or not trying to help other people. Mike Perlstein, investigative reporter with WWL-TV in New Orleans. Introduce us to this case. Where and when does this story start?
0: Well, the story of Jerome Morgan uh, started way back when he was just uh, 17 years old. Back in 1993, he was one of many people invited to a Sweet 16 party. It was at a reception hall. And uh, that would have been a you know fun childhood rite of passage uh, event, except for a tragic shooting.
1: Morgan was a guest at a sweet sixteen party in New Orleans East when gunfire erupted, killing one person and injuring two others.
0: And ultimately, Jerome Morgan got arrested, booked, and convicted in that murder.
1: This Eyewitness News archive video shows a 17-year-old at the time escorted by law enforcement officers. The teenager would be convicted of the crime. So how did he, I guess, in the first place, end up becoming a suspect in this murder, the murder of uh, 16-year-old Clarence Landry?
0: That is a, uh, a bit of a mystery to this day. However, I can tell you that um, Jerome Morgan was not only at the party, he, uh, you know, remained in this little reception area ballroom uh, right after the shooting in which the security on scene quickly locked the doors for protection. Um, You know, the gunman was still on the loose. In the midst of all this, the gunman, Fled the scene, chased by one other partygoer. Jerome Morgan remained behind, locked in this uh, room. Police arrived in relatively short order. And a pretty thorough investigation included, you know, getting a name of all of the people present as potential witnesses and potentially, you know, ruling out any of those who remained behind locked in that room. Now, something transpired within a a couple of weeks of investigating. Somehow, Jerome Morgan's name started being circulated as potential perpetrator, and the uh, police latched onto that name pressed very hard because it was looking very much like a homicide that was not going to get solved very easily. So they zeroed in on the name of Jerome Morgan. They started canvassing the victims, two of the victims who uh, were shot and survived, and running the name of Jerome Morgan by them. Now, mind you, these were, you know, 16 and 17-year-old high school students And what later came out after a trial conviction of Jerome Morgan, but more importantly, through uh, many years of appeals, was that the police detectives really uh, used intimidation and some rather heavy-handed tactics to extract the name of Jerome Morgan from these two supposed witnesses. So then... Twenty
1: years goes by, and I don't want to, you know, skim over that as though it's it's nothing, because that's a really long time. That's two decades of Jerome Morgan's life that he's behind bars. What does his life look like during those 20 years? And what is he saying about his conviction during that time?
0: Well, you have to understand that 20 years is a long time. It is a major chunk of any person's life. But when you're 17 years old and Jerome Morgan did not have, you know, a white picket fence upbringing. He was a foster child. Uh, He was a smart kid. But let's just say he and traditional school uh, weren't always a great match. Once again, he did not have a criminal record, but he was a street-savvy kid, had bounced around, had an uneven childhood, lived in poverty, um and had actually had a kid before all this happened. I think the kid was one year old at the time all this went down. So not only did he lose 20 years of his life, but like really critical years of a person's life, uh, you know, at a time before he really gained any, you know, footing as an adult in the world. Now I can tell you that Jerome... Imprisoned at Angola Penitentiary with a with a life sentence, quickly kind of uh, learned first the path of survival in what's known as you know one of the toughest state penitentiaries anywhere in the country. But he also was there knowing he was an innocent man, and he never did finish high school. Uh, wasn't much of a you know school schoolboy anyway, but he learned that one of the avenues to proving his innocence was to learn the law and start you know filing some appeals, starting with you know getting every scrap of evidence, police reports, and other things that might have been overlooked in his case. And so Jerome uh, became you know. A regular at the law library, a student of the law, and even before he was able to get heard by the Innocence Project of New Orleans to formally take on his appeal, he had started putting in public record requests and other uh, you know legal forms just to make sure that he did not have any of the time windows for his appeal close on him and so at what point
1: does the innocence Project actually get involved and, and look at Jerome's case and say, hey, this guy might be in prison for a crime he didn't commit?
0: Well, I can tell you that Jerome was the one who, through public record request, got the document showing a different timeline, that those doors were closed and locked and police arrived within 10 or 15 minutes, really blowing a major, major hole in the prosecution case. He was able to uh, use that information and I think it was about five years um you know before his ultimate release that he got through to the Innocence Project and their role really was taking the case on from square one, and the you know, the first step in any case um is to act as sort of street investigators, good old shoe leather, knock on doors get any and all witnesses, and the first people that they went to were those two key witnesses who were used by the prosecution to testify against Jerome Morgan. They very quickly determined that those two witnesses had been sitting on grave misgivings for years, that they had been pressured and bullied as youngsters to give false testimony, and they recanted very quickly, signed uh, sworn affidavits, and went to court in an evidentiary hearing and basically laid out the real truth was that they had been pressured by detectives. The shooter had escaped before the ballroom was locked, and Mr. Morgan was locked in with us in the ballroom. So he couldn't have committed the crime.
1: In 2014, Jerome Morgan's conviction is cleared on appeal. New at six, a man wrongfully convicted of murder for a 1993 shooting at a Sweet 16 birthday party is out of jail tonight after serving 20 years behind bars. The case was recently thrown out after witnesses said they were coerced by police to testify against Jerome Morgan. And seven years ago this week, he experienced his first day of freedom from prison in 20 years. But I hesitate to call it his first day of freedom because there's a really bumpy road after that where he's actually re-prosecuted. And that results in him spending two plus more years under a whole bunch of restrictions, house arrest, an ankle monitor, a curfew, even though that initial conviction had been tossed.
0: Right. So the sequence of events was that Jerome Morgan and the Innocence Project New Orleans, they were able to get his original conviction thrown out. Now, everyone could have walked away and realized, you know, what a travesty that this young man had to do 20 years in prison for something he did not do.
1: But his attorney says the state could still file an appeal in this case. We very much hope that the district attorney's office in this case will not do that, um, and that they will see that you know, correcting
0: a past injustice is just as important as um, prosecuting crimes going forward. Well, the district attorney, Leon Canizero, took a different position, and he got a, another indictment of Jerome Morgan and vowed to retry him. One thing about Jerome Morgan, and this is the stage when I myself um, got involved in writing about his case was at the time he was, you know, fighting this reindictment. There, there, is no more of a go-getter and hard worker than Jerome Morgan, and he did not, despite all of the, you know, weight that was put on him with curfew and electronic monitoring, almost a house arrest, he wanted to work, make money, and because his plight had been chronicled um In the news, uh, there were many, many people very sympathetic to his situation, including the owner of a uh, kind of a bus stop sign company and uh, made a connection to see if he was interested. He jumped on that opportunity, and when I caught up with Jerome, he was waking up at five in the morning going around bus stops all over town, posting those those bus stop advertisements. A model employee couldn't be more punctual. And I can tell you that those people who employed him and worked with him, they became part of the Free Jerome Morgan movement. In the community, concern about the Morgan case and others has been growing. Supporters packed a recent court hearing.
1: 20 some years that this gentleman has been wrongfully accused of this with all of the things going on. How much power, How much flesh do they need?
0: It's inspiring. It gives us hope. And so we can't afford to not fight on his behalf because he won't let up. This was something that became a really interesting uh, development that kind of took this whole battle beyond Jerome Morgan's individual case. But the fact that in the face of this newly discovered evidence, the recantations of two witnesses, the, the district attorney's office you know, continued to hold this over Jerome Morgan's head, once again, despite it looking very, very ob- obvious that they had you know, prosecuted an innocent man. Uh, and it wasn't even under the watch of that district attorney, Leon Canizero, who was re-prosecuting this. It had happened under a previous district attorney, Harry Connick. Nevertheless, um, for whatever motives, that DA you know, put Jerome Morgan through three years before a judge who was presiding over the case said, look, you can't continue this indefinitely. Be prepared for trial or drop this charge. They clearly had... Uh, no evidence at this point. The charges was were dropped, and Jerome Morgan finally was was truly freed, and he had a uh, kind of a second celebration. This one, uh, a real celebration, where he was finally out from under the dark cloud of the criminal justice system.
1: And so that happened then in in 2016, where he got to celebrate this complete freedom. And it seems like it was just a a really really happy day. For him, for his family, but at the same time, I'm sure there's still a lot of anger or frustration with this system that took away his freedom wrongfully for 20-plus years. That's, that's a permanent loss that he can never get back.
0: Right. And I got to tell you, every uh, wrongfully convicted inmate who gets exoneration handles freedom very differently. I'm always amazed by the attitude of some exonerees and their lack of bitterness. The line that I often hear is, wow, they already gave up you know this much time for something they didn't do. They're not going to waste another second being angry or bitter. Uh, they just want to move on with their life and take positive steps. Jerome Morgan was a little different. It a total waste. Time and money and energy and effort be- could be going towards... You know somebody else that needs help. I live with a blessing in my heart because there's so many people that I've left behind that's in the same position that I was. That's innocent. Jerome Morgan is politically minded. He's an activist, and he did not he did not go quietly. And in, back into his life, he started a nonprofit. He gave speeches. He became um, not just a community activist, but a political activist. And what was the Free Jerome Morgan movement that gained quite a following uh, quickly morphed into uh, his nonprofit in which he hooked up with a couple of other exonerees to hold the district attorney's office accountable, not just in his case, but in other cases like it.
1: It's pretty clear that Jerome Morgan's story isn't over, but that's where we're going to leave it for today. Mike Pearlstein with WWL in New Orleans, thank you for sharing this story.
0: Thank you, Reid. Appreciate the opportunity to tell it.
1: Thanks to you all for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. If you're tuning in for the first time today, we're here with a new crime story every day of the week, Monday through Friday. If you're a fan of the show and you're looking for more podcasts like it, Check out some of our other shows, including True Crime Chronicles and Bardstown, at vaultstudios.com. That's all for now. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed
0: Redmond.